Who's pumped this morning? This is the kind of energy I was looking for first service, but I realized they hadn't had their coffee yet. But I am so amped. We are here in the presence of God. Like, hello, Rad. We had an amazing weekend. Did you see what was happening up on that, that video? Uh, I do feel bad if you did miss that out because that was a lot of fun. There was a lot of people working on their marriage, and we had fun. And I think a lot of people feel like, well, I should go to the marriage conference when we're hurting or when we need help. But actually, that's not the case. So I was just so excited. Um, Now, I'm used to speaking on stage with someone else. So this is a little weird to be all by myself. I'm looking for like my backup band or something like that or, you know, some rim shots. But my wife over there right there, Megan and I, uh, we were joining you guys for a marriage conference. We started a company called Marriage 365 in which we are able to, funny enough, talk about the book of Proverbs in a way to bring about marriage truths to people outside the church or people that maybe once navigated the church but are still looking for marriage help. So I'm excited to talk about this book today. When I was growing up, um, I went to nine different schools But by the time I hit junior high. That's a lot, by the way. I didn't hear like a, <sighs> okay. And it, you know, I was impulsive, rambunctious. I had lots of energy. I was distractible. I, ADHD, like, can you not see it right now, right? That's who I was. I, was I, I wasn't malicious in class, but just by the end of the year, the teachers would sit down with my parents and say, you know, I don't know if this is the best learning environment for a child with such energy. We can't feed him sugar. You know, it's just like this kid, he needs to, to, to move along. And so the last thing someone would have called Casey Caston is patient, wise, prudent, discerning, which is why I'm really excited. When I heard you guys were going through the, the Bible, this is the book of the Bible that I cling to, like with the death grip. And that is the book of Proverbs because it provides practical application and wisdom for the impulsive, for the forgetful. It provides guidance for the, you know, distractible. It it is a book that has grounded me so. And I I just, to me, getting to know Matt, getting to know Caleb, getting to know Ben and your leadership team, here, they want this community to be marked by a couple things. One is that we are marked by God's word. Can I get an amen? Amen. Right? That we are instructed, we are guided, and that we even submit ourselves to the authority of God's word and his wisdom. And this, the book of Proverbs, is all about wisdom. The other thing, and this is what I'm going to bring into context today, is I believe there's two attitudes that the book of Proverbs is asking us to fall in line with. And that is to be hungry and to be humble. And I also want to tie that tether to say that we are to be hungry and humble as we pursue God, right? That's the first of the greatest commandments, right? Hungry and humble towards God. But then as we pursue relationships and loving others, Who's our first other that we get to live with? Our spouse. That's right. I heard that in the back. God bless you. That is our first other. And I would like to 
bring to you a message that we need to also be hungry and humble when it comes to our relationship and our marriage. Because while we are to be a community marked by God's word, that is evidence in the way that we show up for our marriage. That South Crest would be known for healthy marriages. Would that not be rad? That as you go out from these doors into the mission field, people would be like, what are those people got? And I want that. That is so attractive. And so that's why I'm super excited. The book of Proverbs. Uh, let me just give you a quick overview. The book of Proverbs is an amazing book. It's part of the wisdom literature. And it's really, it's God's insight into how he created this world. Proverbs 3, uh, 19 says, By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundation." And by understanding, he set the heavens in place. See, the Lord created this world with wisdom in mind. And the book of Proverbs is him opening up so that he would say, here is how I created those, this world. Um, I was a, one of my past lifetimes, I was a high school chemistry teacher. And I live to tell about it, okay? <laughs> Do not give teenagers flammable liquids, and ask them to mix it in a enclosed space. It is not good or wise, but I did. And uh, while I was teaching, I put these blueprints along the walls, and, they, and I would tell the kids, you know, chemistry is like, so as I put my hand up here, there's an atomic structure. There's a blueprint behind what's happening right here, and that's just like blueprints like show, this is not the house. This is what the house is made of. This is a structure. You know, the book of Proverbs is God's atomic structure or laws of nature that he's giving us insight. Do you understand the invitation that we are given? We are allowed into the way God created this world. And then in the book of Proverbs, we're told, this is how you utilize this in your life. So if you are sitting here this morning and you're like, I want God's wisdom. I want his, I want to know what his will is for my life. I want to live successfully according to his laws. This is your book. This is your book of practical application. Um, I just I find it funny because these laws, they are not subject to your opposition. They're not subject to your opinions or values. And just like you can test the law of gravity, with the book of Proverbs, we're given God's laws, and you can test them, but they are true. They are true, and they stand the test of time. Okay, I, I just wanted to tell you right now, so there are so many promises for those that seek out wisdom. The book of Proverbs talks about how we, we but, uh, let me just read this, actually. Proverbs 3, why, why would I talk about it? Why don't I just read God's word, right? Proverbs 3.13 said, blessed are those who find wisdom. Oh, if you find wisdom, you are blessed. Those who gain understanding. She is more profitable than silver, better than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Listen to this. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. This is God's desire to see that you are blessed if you follow according to his plan. But there are warnings. You want to test those laws? Do you want to live according to your own discernment? You can do that. 
Here's some of the, um, the rewards of that kind of lifestyle. Sleepless nights, anxiety and depression, insecurities, a lack of discernment, being carried away by lies. People will mock you and your children will walk away from you. And if this is not what we're experiencing in today's culture, can I get an amen? This culture is being carried away by the whims and just whatever you feel. Hey, whatever makes you happy, right? If it makes you happy. That's my impersonation of Cheryl Crow. And the reason why I'm not on the worship team. Um, <laughs> like, if it makes you happy. And, you know, Megan and I, we get to encounter couples that are in crisis. And they are just saying, well, you know, my counselor said that if I can't find my own happiness in my, this relationship, I was to seek it out in somewhere else. Come on. It's not if it makes you happy. Is it according to God's wisdom? Is it what he asks of us? And I feel like we have lost our appetite for God's wisdom. Here's what I hear. You know what? I'm okay. I'm sufficient. I'm just going to wing it. I don't need any help. And we're reaping the whirlwind of abandoning God's wisdom in our lives. We don't want to be those people. Okay, so hungry and humble. I want to kind of break those two, two concepts up for you. Okay, when I think about hunger, I think about this intense craving. Like, this is my sole focus right now is I need to put ribs in my belly. I got with the oink joint. Anybody? Right off the plane. I was on a five-hour plane flight, and the first thing I was like is, get me barbecue. Get me barbecue now. I need barbecue. And the oink joint was there. So it was, it was there. Um, you know, <laughs> my kids often complain. You had kids that come in and go, Mom, there's no food in the house. And you walk over to the pantry and it's filled with stuff. And you're like, there's food right here. Well, that's not what I want. <laughs> so I don't know if our kids understand what true hunger means. Not just picking out like, well, what, what do I want? But this cr- intense craving. So... Megan and I, Megan puts me on these, you know, challenges and diets. We, we've done um, several fitness challenges, but the Whole30, anybody been through that torturous process, the Whole30? There you go. Bennett's there. He knows it. They take away most of the food, and you can just get yams. <laughs> and I, um, I need a lot of food. I've got a high metabolism, the ADH. H need, needs a lot of food for the ADHD. And so I remember halfway through this, this thing, I, I had this yam, and I was in the kitchen, and I just spiked it right in the middle of the kitchen. I'm like, I'm done! I need food! And I was so frustrated because I was so hungry, and my body was craving it. And you know what? I, I just think about that moment, and I just, that is exactly what God wants. God wants to spike. I'm hungry. I want it. That's why it says, seek it out like it's precious gold. You need to be like Indiana Jones in this one consuming passion. Like, this is you hunting for buried treasure. But it's not evasive. It's there for you if you're hungry. If you're hungry. I love that David said in Psalms 42, as the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you. In a dry and weary land, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry. 
David understood that. And that is one of the desires that God saw in David. And what did he call him? What did he call him? A man after God's heart. Yes, David had an affair, murdered people, like stuff that, has anybody murdered people, anybody? Okay, so I'm doing better than David because I haven't had an adulterous relationship and I haven't murdered anybody. But does God look at me? Does he say, Casey, you are a man after my own heart because you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Jesus said that blessed are you who hunger and thirst. You are blessed. Even Jesus said, you know, I am the bread of life. If you hunger and thirst, I will be food for you. Do we have that hunger? Now, let's talk about marriage, because that's kind of the topic that I usually talk about. And I think about a couple that's hungry. When I think about a healthy spouse and a healthy marriage, I see two people that are intensely curious about each other. They have a hunger to know and to learn. And they're like, just give me more information. Like, man, I can't wait to take you on a date. I can't wait to be around you because you make me look good. <laughs> that's what I do with Megan. She makes me look good because everybody that's like, Casey, you're pretty awesome. I'm like, well, don't meet my wife yet because then you'll think she's way better than I am. So. But there is this intense drawing uh, it, that I have towards Megan where, you know, we wrote these books called Connecting Questions. We talked about this during the marriage retreat that this connecting question is this intense, like, I'm curious, please tell me more. I want to learn more about you. There's this inquis inquisitive nature behind that. Um, and there's a lot of energy and desire to, to want it to grow. Like, I want to be a better spouse for Megan. I'm hungry for a great relationship. I, <laughs> I would say the opposite is true for unhealthy spouses. So if this hits close to home, don't blame me. Blame God. <laughs> but I do think that there's this, there's a lot of couples that we encounter that are just, like they just came out of hometown buffet and they're like, I'm good. I'm full. Too tired. Just kind of, I'm good. And, and they show up to marriage that way. There's not a hunger. There's not a, a drive. And in these marriages, I see these marriages, they're marked by sporadic date nights, you know? They spend less than four minutes a day connecting emotionally. There's a lot of hot topics that aren't dealt with. And what's worse is they don't even see the warning signs and they don't know how to get back on track. And God's like, hey, the same hunger and thirst that you have for me, I actually want you to have towards your spouse, okay? Hunger, hungry. By the way, if you're not hungry for your spouse... Think about what kind of underlying message that sends to them. You're not worth the pursuit. It's okay. I'm satisfied. I don't need any more. And I don't want that to be anybody in this room, whether you mean it or not. Mean it or not. Let's talk about humble. So if there is an intense desire to hunger after righteousness and wisdom, where do we begin? Well, we read that this morning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, what does that mean, the fear of the Lord? You know, part of that fear of the Lord is a very, there's a lot of debate about that concept, but 
Should we have a healthy fear of God? I do believe there's this like reverence, like, oh my gosh, like, do you realize we've been invited into a conversation and insight with this God of this universe? This is like massive being. No one can wrap their minds around him or wrap their arms of understanding around him. He is so big and beyond our understanding. But I do think there needs to be like a little like, like you pee your pants a little bit. Like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm a little afraid. There needs to be terror <laughs> in that. Is it the peeing the pants? Is that what I, okay. <laughs> Didn't think of the terror. Sheer terror would be funny, but here's the thing. Is that there needs to be a healthy sense of fear. The fear of the Lord. Do we approach the the throne room? Yes, come on into the throne room at any given time and present your request. That's been the invitation because of the death of the cross, of what Jesus has done for us. But do we have fear? I'm going to say this, that you should be fearful that if you try to go against God's wisdom, you will have consequences. If you start befriending that person at work who is giving you attention you're not getting at home, you should be filled with terror of the calamity that will come about if you entertain that relationship any longer. You should be concerned about the fear of disconnection you will have with your spouse if you choose the words of death over life, critical words, shaming words, Trust me, I know what kind of conversations are happening behind closed doors between two people that are trying to do life together. Talking like sailors, let me just tell you that. (laughs) It's words that are, are critical. You should be concerned that if I go against God's commands, that foolishness and folly will follow me. Proverbs 15.33 says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Proverbs is so clear. A humble heart is one that receives instruction, rebuke. It's open to wisdom and learning from others. And the opposite is a closed mind, unwilling to receive. It considers itself the smartest in the room. I don't need directions. Have heard that one before? I've said it. <laughs> I don't need ways. Come on, I already know where we're going. It doesn't need help, and it doesn't need to learn anything more. And I think what hurts me the most is when I talk to married couples, I'm like, be hungry and be humble. That humble part is like, be open to what, like other instruction. No one is an expert in marriage. We're just all practitioners. No one has a perfect marriage. We're all on this journey. So when I hear the heart of a, oh, I'm gonna generalize, is that okay? Megan, I get a nod for that one. A lot of husbands are like, you know what, I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need anything else. Men, let's have hearts of humility to say, I am open to learning more. I'm open to learning more about my spouse. I'm open to learn how to be a better communicator. Because I'm a guy, I'm going to talk to you men. Like, 
I know that heart of ego and pride. Let's talk about marriage. You know, I love pursuing my wife. She's, she caught my attention. I was part of the freshman welcoming committee, and she was an incoming freshman, and I was like, you need a private tour. <laughs> Come with me, and I will isolate you so that I can bring you into my debt. No. Um, she caught my eye early on. Uh, I was so nervous. I forgot her name so many times, and I was so excited. My buddy of mine, he's like, you need to calm down. So she comes over, and she's like, so, uh, and I'm just like doing this cold hearted, like, well, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. I, I played her really well. Little did I know, it didn't have game, but it really was game. <laughs> so I was excited about that. And Megan has had my eyes ever since we, we got together. But I will tell you when she comes to me and she says, Casey, I want you to know this hurt. I, I want, want you to know there's a boundary that was crossed. Man, my ego just pricks up. I'm like, excuse me? Defensiveness. I didn't do it. Blaming, right? I, I just, all of that comes out. But God is asking us, just as you come to me with a humble heart, that you're not the center of the universe, you need to come to your marriage the same way, your intimate relationships, to say, hey, this isn't about me. This isn't an ego trip. This is about us working as, together as a team. Um, humility lays down the pride and accepts that it made a mistake. It's willing to work on restoring connection and trust. Probably the lowest... Uh, least amount of activity done in, in a marriage relationship is one of the most important things, and that's apologizing. And it takes humility to apologize, to say, I hurt you, I see that wrong, and I, I want to apologize. The proud heart does not apologize. The proud steps back from that and says, no, 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 uh, it wasn't my fault. Oh, that wasn't me. It's defensive. A humble heart comes in and says, I see that wound, and that's me. I accept responsibility. That's what rebuilds trust. <laughs> A proud spouse never admits their mistakes because it hits too close to home for them. And a proud spouse never learns anything new about relationships because they're already the expert. And that is why I am so excited for what you guys have in store. The, what will happen this weekend is truly just the kickoff event for continuing to build a healthy marriage. And I, my prayer is that you come hungry. I want to learn how to be a better commuter. I want to learn how to have great date nights. I want to learn how to apologize and restore connection. And that you bring the humility to say, I'm open. I'm open to learning. I'm open for, for whatever, I, to learn from whoever. And if I can have just a moment of transparency, I, I, I really, like, the book of Proverbs to me is, if there's a book about marriage in the Bible, whether well, there's the Song of Solomon, we all know what that one's about. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> But the book of Proverbs is the book about marriage because it talks so intimately about the relationship that we have with our fellow man. 
And we can sit here and raise our hands to God and say, God, I love you and everything else like that. But if you are not showing up in a healthy way in your marriage, Jesus said, leave your gift at the altar because I don't want to hear anymore. If you are hurting in your relationship in your marriage, I don't want to see holy hands lifted high. I won't hear it. You take care of your relationship that you have with your spouse because that shows me how you're loving me and loving others, how that gets out, that theology lived out. But here's, the, here's for me what was the most convicting about dealing with Proverbs is this. I had to sit there and look at my life choices and realize as I reflected back Man, have I been making decisions based off of what makes me happy? Binging a Netflix show, you know, what I eat, what I drink, how I spend my time. If it makes me happy is what I would pursue. And I was deeply convicted because my decision matrix needs to now shift over to now. Not does it make me happy, but... Is it according to God's wisdom? What is the wisest decision for me? Right? And I'm the type of guy, like, <laughs> like if there's a music playing, like, I'm out till 2 a.m. going, yeah! But if I've got to work in the morning, right, well, that's what makes me happy. But what's the wisest decision for me? And I wanted to know that if you continue to approach the book of Proverbs and just say, God, fill me with your wisdom. Fill me with your word. You will have a life marked, not by chaos, not being blown back and forth from the winds of cultural whatever feels good, but you will have a life that's grounded, secure. And that, to me, is my prayer and my hope. And here, here's what I wanted to end with. The book of Proverbs is broken up into 31 chapters. And over my lifetime, yeah, in and out, I'm ADHD, so consistency is definitely not my strong suit. <laughs> Thank you for loving me <laughs> for who I am, right? That's what we were saying this morning. Um, but I come to the first thing I start reading when I, get, when I crack open the word is I go, oh, okay, so today's the 20th. I jump into Proverbs 20. And you can actually read a chapter a day of Proverbs and grab that wisdom and hold that true to your heart. And that is my encouragement for you guys as you guys are marked by God's word. Let's pray.